All right. Welcome everyone back to the Better Board Games podcast, where we try to make the world a better place for you and a better place for awesome board games. I'm McKay Anderson. I'm known on most social media platforms as the Board Game Critic. And I'm Mavin uh, from Being Friends. And let's see, we are here. This is kind of a follow-up episode to our previous one, um, which as we've been recording, this isn't actually out yet. <laughs> so we have to get back on board with that. It's kind of been a busy summer for me, at least. Me too. It's been It's been a long time since we've recorded, but we're super excited to jump in. We're basically going to talk about our favorite types of fun. Again, last episode, we basically described, uh, according to Mark LeBlanc, what the seven type, or sorry, eight, I've been saying seven, uh, according to Mark LeBlanc, what the eight types of fun are, how they relate to games, and we're going to be talking about which ones matter the most to us, what our favorite games tend to um, characterize, um, and yeah, super excited to jump in. Um, really quick, a shout out to our sponsor, uh, Big Viking Mats. Um, we both have one of these amazing mats from Big Viking Mats. They come with a nice like carrying strap. They're thick, plush, awesome mats that come in some beautiful colors. So if you're looking for a mat, the real thing that sets them apart is they are custom cut to your size. So if you're making a custom board gaming table or anything like that, I've definitely been impressed with Big Viking Mats. If you want to give them um, if you wanted to see what they're all about, I think it's vikingmats.com, if I'm not mistaken. One of the things I love about having one of these uh, big Viking mats is, for one, it upgrades the game experience by a good margin. It really honestly feels incredible to have a mat where all of the components can kind of be on top of. Um, but at the same time, I found recently that it's really portable pretty easy to take around and bring to like a, a game night or a friend's house. Or I even took it to, I, I went on a road trip and brought it along. Um, so that's been fantastic. The carrying strap makes it really easy um, as well as it's surprisingly um, durable. Um, and I've been enjoying not having to worry about it being damaged because it actually kind of just holds up on its own pretty well. So it's been, it's been great having it. I'm loving the mat so far. So Again, definitely check out Big Viking Mats um, at vikingmats.com for your next board game upgrade. Awesome. All right, so let's jump into the bulk of the episode. Um, when we were going through the types of fun, we talked about a lot on the last episode, what types of fun um, we identify with most. But we decided to take it a little step further. And we actually built a, stretch, a spreadsheet, which we should, I think we'll have linked to in the notes if you want to go find it. You can download a copy. And what we did was we identified 10 of our favorite games and we analyzed which of those types of fun those games hit for us. And then that pumped out kind of a percentage of what types of fun we are tapping into most in our top 10 games. This was really interesting. and. One thing I would want to mention is I had a hard time choosing 10 games. I can easily choose my top three because I just like know for a fact what my top three are, but then the rest, it could be, it could go to a lot of different games. Yeah, I definitely felt that as well. It kind of got down to like the last like three or four were kind of like, yeah, yeah. I really like that game. I, I hesitate to say like my top 10 because once you get that far down the list, it's just like, okay, there are a lot competing for those spots. So Take take this yeah. with a grain of salt. For sure, I'll be all right. It's mostly just to get some something in the on the spreadsheet and just examples. And honestly, I feel like this would work even better if you just did like top fifty, even. Um, you just like really start to narrow things down. But um, we did top ten just to keep it simple, yeah. and found out some interesting things about our types of fun, especially compared to each other's. Mm-hmm. It's, I mean, ideally you would probably do this for your entire board game collection, as long as you're the type of person that calls their collection on a regular basis based on what's getting played and what isn't. I'm that would probably give you a far better indication of what games you gravitate toward, which ones you hold on to, and which ones you purchase on a regular basis. Yeah. All right, so let's go through the, the eight. Now you've got me saying seven. <laughs> 
let's go through the eight types of fun real quick. I think we say seven because the last one, although it does come up in board games, it's not as much of a thing. So Mark LeBlanc wrote this basic um, based on video games. Well, the concept is that it can be applied to anything. I mean, life, board games, like your career, really, this is how you feel enjoyment and fun. Number eight doesn't make as much sense for board games most of the time, but I was surprised that some, I was like, oh yeah, I totally like it for that reason. Yep. And we'll get to it in just a second. So um, Evan, how about you take us through the first four and I'll take us through the last four. Sounds good. Uh, the number one, and this is not like ranked, so just the first one is sensation, which is game as sense pleasure. It evokes emotion in the player through sound, visuals, examples like a controller rumble or uh, physical effort. So I think this would include sports. Um, for board games, it includes things like beautiful art, lovely components, and just that sort of tactile element of a game that makes you just especially enjoy the game when you get a like i don't know what whatever the game might have there's a lot of games with sort of sensation um as a type of fun the next one is fantasy which is game is make believe and it makes you it takes you to another world some would call it escapism um that's sort of self-explanatory narrative is number three uh game as drama as a means to tell a story or narrative to a player these are your sort of campaign legacy games just the games with like a real story arc to them um and the number four challenge game as an obstacle course games that provide a, the players a highly competitive value or increasingly difficult challenges awesome and then number five is fellowship so this is games as a social framework this is likely um party games would probably fit squarely into this yep. games that have social interactions as its core or a large feature in them um, then we have games as, or a discovery, game as an uncharted territory. This is where you're exploring a world. You don't really know what's coming up next. It's kind of this uh, tickles the fancy of going deeper and deeper into something and not knowing what's coming next. Then you have expression. So this is game as self-discovery. This is a game where it allows you to feel like you're playing in a way that is unique to you. It, these are kind of deck builders, things that allow you to craft something that you have the fulfillment of I built this and it was my wit that kind of went into this uh, into this play experience. Then there's submission, which is the last one that we talked about doesn't relate heavily to board games, but I was surprised that I actually ticked it on one of mine. Um, this is game of the pastime. Uh, this is kind of like a farming or grinding experience where it's intentionally slow just to kind of pass the time. And like I said, I think a lot of us are into board games for a little bit more than that generally. Um, however, there are some good experiences that exist around grinding in board games and uh, that idea of submission. All right. So what was what the first thing that stuck out to you when, when we attempted to do this? So I was surprised at. I was surprised how many games hit nearly every category. Um, Huh. I, I figured I would go down the list and I'd be like, oh yeah, this game is clearly this one. I was surprised at how many of them I was like, oh yeah, I like that game for almost all of these reasons. Like it hits on all of them in some aspect for me. And hmm. we should also give a disclaimer that when you're doing this, it's kind of what does it for you. We may like the same game, but we may like it for very different reasons. Yeah, um, for sure. Some games may like actually feel like a narrative and a storytelling adventure. And for some people, it may not. Um, I think Spirit Island could be one of those. I know some people get deep into like the theme and the story that's happening, and it does a very good job of that. But some people don't. They just play it as a cooperative game, and they don't get deep into kind of the underlying currents that are going on there, pun partially intended. Uh, I definitely did check narrative off for Spirit Island. So um, that is part of part of the fun for me um and yeah a lot of people don't care about that part of spirit island and they don't need to um so i think that's a great disclaimer uh we all are here for different reasons playing different games for for the reason they're fun for us personally and that's totally fine yep all right was there anything that surprised you as you went through this 
it's not necessarily surprising, but it was fun to see how um, I checked challenge on every game. Mm-hmm. It looks like you did it as well. I did. Which there we I go. actually, I would love other people to do this um, test yeah. and see if they felt the same way. Because although I think some people probably don't love to be challenged by a board game. We've talked about this before that we feel like we're on the same yeah on the, the same, same train as far as wavelength yeah we like to be mentally stimulated in that way some people play games as an escape from that uh that mental that tasking mental um side of things which maybe comes from like a career or something that maybe doesn't <laughs> mentally challenge me as much as it should so i want to <laughs> be mentally challenged outside of my career yeah no i think it's 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 definitely something that i know is huge in games for me i've always considered the idea of mastery or challenged and to be like the most engaging part of a game so you look at my top my number one game spirit island that's a notably difficult game with increasingly difficult challenges like the description even directly says um but i i really want to see because i know that that's not the only like there's a lot of people who play a lot of games that don't have challenge and they love them and that's like not foreign to me because i do enjoy games like uh impact battle for the elements it's a a dice game where you just literally throw the dice it's not challenging but it's so good and but those don't make my top 10 you know so that's where like looking at top 50 or whatnot you might see some different stuff but challenge is my absolute favorite i again i'm curious to see other people's um percentiles and see how many people get sort of like challenge is maybe there for one of their games but the rest is like i actually just want a good pastime i want some good uh narrative or whatnot Mm -hmm. absolutely and that's um yeah challenge definitely exists in games um well challenge definitely can be absent from games Mm -hmm. and still be a good game um there are a lot of party games that are definitely not uh the point of them is not to be challenging uh I'm going to name some that I hate, like Apples to Apples or Cards Against Humanity. It's not a <laughs> challenge. It's just, it's something to do. And while it's not my favorite play style, um, it is something that is a very real uh, part of board gaming. So what's funny is when I was like younger and playing Apples to Apples, because you can't avoid it. You have yeah. to have, you've played it at one point. Um, right. <laughs> I... Um, played it in such a way that I was definitely taking it seriously and I was taking it as a challenge to see if I can be the one to to win yeah and so even though that game really doesn't reward any player for playing well necessarily right it's kind of just happening which is fine I yeah. guess it's um, not I a played great it game. I played it recently and um by force and i i went into it i was like you know what i'm gonna look at this from a really healthy positive outlook it may not be my favorite game but i can do this and it can be it can be good i can can have fun man i was so on edge and frustrated by the end of that game and (laughs) that was having like done the full mental preparation of just like it's okay it doesn't matter it's just a way to pass the time so funny I found it so infuriating to see what people chose out of, I don't know, my brain just works differently from people. And I've accepted that, that very, I imagine, like, right and wrong oriented. It's it's hard, because sometimes I'm like, okay, I can accept picking the humorous one. But if you're going to pick the humorous one, pick the actually humorous one. Like, <laughs> it's, it always, no, seems I, like- I totally get that. It feels like people always pick the second tier option. So I'm like, okay, they're either going to take it as humorous or as like, this is the best answer. And almost every time they pick the like runner up to what I would choose in those two categories. So I'm like, which is the one that you put in? You'd always probably, And maybe that's it. Maybe I'm just way too competitive and I take it way too much as a challenge to win that game. That's so funny. And I find it frustrating. Have you played Quiplash? Quiplash. Um, I have man it's been a long time though okay quiplash if for those who don't know it's like a party game it's not a board game it's on your basically everyone connects on their phone to a oh, that's it yep a game and basically what's going to happen is it's going to give you a quip it's going to ask a question or have a fill in the blank thing and you basically are just trying you can write anything you want just trying to be hilarious mm-hmm. um 
and then everyone else looks at the answers that two people gave and votes for which one they think is the best. It's a lot of fun, specifically because it just gets people laughing. Um, I personally love trying to be funny, and I consider myself to be funny. And so um, I enjoy it just for the fact that it like gets my creative juices flowing. When I look at the clip, I'm like, how can I be funny with this? And that's fun. But if you're with a crowd that doesn't necessarily get your humor mm-hmm. or whatever, it's just like, are you joking me? That one. Yeah. That was so terrible. Yeah. It was the cheapest joke I could have possibly thought of for, or the, the opponents did. And that sort of same, I, I think the same feeling happens with me in Quiplash every once in a while where I'm just yeah. like, no way that that was the one you guys chose. You yeah. guys are all terrible. I typically go with humor that's pretty nuanced that takes like a, it takes a minute to, and then once you see it, it's like a mix of like, oh wow that's clever and funny and i see what you did there kind of a thing which i know is not everybody's type of humor anyway we've gone boring (laughs) all right so we obviously told you what both of our top our top one was um what came next for you evan i think we had the same on this expression yes we did match up on that one so fun and i guess that that is that uh notion is the reason why it's my number two yeah i just think it's fun um any game that lets me kind of step into the the creator position um Mm -hmm. while i'm playing is so good i love it so much it's a sense of fulfillment that if it went well then you can look at that and you feel like you did something there that made you win and that's that's typically why i dislike uh heavy chance games or dice rolling games where i feel like i have little control over it because at the end of the day whether i win or lose i want to be responsible for that i hate feeling like i lost and i had no control and so these are the control freaks i guess (laughs) (laughs) but yeah the um that was my number two as well expression were there any games on your list evan that uh or how many on your list didn't hit expression and which were they uh, three of them. So I got seven for expression. Um, the three that didn't get there is Root, Pax Pamir, um, and Tichu. Okay. Um, Tichu, you could argue does just because of the amount. And honestly, all three of them, you can argue does if you if you just say that like really creative strategic thinking is expression, which I think it could be. Yeah. Um, you're not necessarily creating something. Uh, in Pax Pamir, you're kind of creating Tableau. Anyways, for the most part, these three are more heavy on the challenge. Um, the they all three actually hit on fellowship as well. So I, I love expression so much. Awesome. I feel the same way. It's it's so great. There were two that didn't hit expression for me, and one that arguably arguably doesn't need to check that box, but I do feel like there is something there. Um escape and karuba were the two that don't hit expression. Um Karuba, you could argue that like the way you get from point A to point B by laying these path tiles is expression, but it doesn't feel like that. You're just okay. doing what yep. logically seems like the best choice. Gotcha. Um, never do you feel like you're creating this um, deep strategy. It's just right. kind of like you're you're hedging your bets against what might be drawn next. Um, escape is literally, it's so scripted. There's <laughs> You are literally at the mercy of the entire game the whole time <laughs> correct um and then the one that is kind of on the fence for me is seven wonders i don't think i had it checked initially but um when i went back to it i was like you know what there's enough in yeah. like play style and preference whether you attempt to uh build all of your wonders at the very beginning so that you don't have to spend more expensive cards later to complete your wonder um and just which which category you really go into um, it does feel like some creative expression to me and also just like the breadth of wonders that you can play as and stuff. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I think there is enough expression there that I was like, I think that's one of the things that I like about it is I feel like I can play it my way. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's that's a big aspect of um, games with expression. It's it's can you play the way that you want to play? There's right. some games that you have to play in a way that I don't. Um, right. Those games don't have expression. And for me, those games aren't fun. 
there's also games that you have to play in a way that I do enjoy. Mm-hmm. Those are more fun, even though they don't necessarily have expression. Um, right. Funny enough, I actually had Seven Wonders Duel on my list. So the two-player version of Seven Wonders. Yeah, which is a great and version. It's a great version. It's really good. Um, I had checked off expression for that too. Uh, for a similar reason, it does feel like you get to actually create something and play the way you want to. Yep. All right. Um, the next couple categories we'll we will probably rush through a little bit faster because I think both of us kind of fell into a middle ground. Evan, if I remember right, yours were pretty well yep. tied up um, in it's, the center section. It's about the same for I think the next three or four kind of hit the same thing. So um, fellowship, sensation, and fantasy are all kind of in the middle there for me. Yep. Uh, narrative is also in the middle. I will say. So mine are also fellowship and sensation um, are pretty much tied. They're one point off. And then you said fantasy was your other one that was tied up. Yep. See, that's not the case for me. It was discovery that actually uh, okay. beat out fantasy, um, which this is one discovery was a hard one for me because mentally I was going back and forth between, okay, is this discovery like in the game as far as yep. like flipping tiles and discovering for me, I feel like I hit that discovery feeling um, also kind of mixed with expression. If there are lots of things to discover about the game, like I, um, Quacks of Quedlinburg was on mine and I checked okay. discovery. Obviously there's no like movement through and discovering, but discovering the different ways, I guess if you zoom out from the game a little bit, discovering all of the different ways the elements of the game can interact with each other that's what keeps me playing it because the next time i play a different combination of recipes is that discovery moment for me where i can discover a combination or angle or a way to play the game that i've never experienced before so that's my disclaimer on discovery is a lot of those were like I like them because the game offers something new and different every time. So I want to keep playing the game in order to discover those new angles and those exciting combinations that I didn't see before. I definitely went into it also sort of like not sure if I meant discovery in sort of a broader sense or specifically an exploration type of a discovery. Right. Um, and I think that the feeling of uncharted territory whether it's exploring an actual location and the feeling of uncharted territory in other situations is a similar rush, mm-hmm. um, a similar f- fun. So I would say that it does count. Um, okay. And I actually kind of mostly only checked off the ones that were more of the actual exploration. So I checked off Mage Knight and Oath. Yeah. Um, but looking back, Netrunner, is all about discovery specifically if you're the runner which it's an asymmetric game so if you're the runner you're basically trying to hack into the opponent's um security and whatnot and you're trying to find things the entire game is about finding things within the the enemies um past the enemy's defenses and if you find their agendas which is what you get to score points you can potentially win and so that's all about discovery really so really quick, because I don't want to brush over sensation and fellowship necessarily. Just give me really quick a couple of yeah highlights from those um, from those categories. Just games that did fit into sensation and fellowship, and I'll do the same. So fellowship for me, I think would if I if I did more more games, we would see a lot of games with fellowship that really stand out. The games with the sort of social, not necessarily party games. In fact, none of these games are party games. Um, what'd you say i said thank heaven i think oh, i, I you said party games <laughs> i thought you said thank heaven oh also too. i will say decrypto was very close to making the top 10 um okay. it's a party game but it's more just like a really really good puzzle thinky mm-hmm. think code names but better right um anyways so root eon's end oath pax Pamir, and tichu all hit on fellowship and none of those are party games um but they all have some sense of social element that i have enjoyed a lot root oath and pax pamir have a lot of um which funny enough these are all three designed by the same person apparently i have a favorite designer um with three of their games in my top 10 um oath is premature maybe i've only played it a few times but 
it's brilliant. So maybe it's not premature. Um, anyhow, Root, Root, Oath, and Pax Premier all are deep strategy games with a lot of social elements of, of things like uh, negotiation, um, sort of your sort of alliance type play style. But then Eon's End and is is that sensation of cooperation. It's a cooperative game. And those moments when when you just find you just win by just a small amount, um, and you you erupt into excitement and cheering and whatnot, that is special to me. Not because of the rush of winning, but because of the rush of winning together. And so that together aspect makes Eons and specifically stand out for me. And Tichu is a two versus two game, and it's just a good way to hang out because. It's complex enough to keep your mind moving and engaged. In fact, it's incredibly deep. But the way that it plays out is simple enough that you can talk and listen to music and just have a good time eating snacks or whatnot while playing that game. And so, and I'll actually kind of spoil it. This is the one game on my list that also has submission. Um, because for me, the just the time spent playing Teach You, you can play each round only takes like 10 minutes. So you could play a bunch of rounds in a row um scoring seeing who can get the most points over multiple rounds and it just like i would just keep playing it because it's just a good time and it really does feel like a pastime in a yep. in a great way awesome um yeah so the i actually just realized there was an error in my uh in my uh -oh. document and one of my categories wasn't updating so I was I was looking at the check marks and I was like, you know what, that doesn't add up. And so I looked and one of the uh, one of the formulas was broken. So mine actually has a little bit of a change. It goes sensory and uh -oh. sensation and discovery are my next two highest. Fellowship actually falls below them, um, which I didn't really expect. But now that I think about it, I'm like, that makes total sense. I don't prefer to <laughs> rely on other people to do things in games, although I do like cooperative games from time to time. Um, sometimes they end up frustrating with like quarterbacking issues and stuff like that. Sure, yeah. But um, Sensation definitely hit like way up there for me in Five Tribes, Quacks of Quedlinburg, Clank, Mystic Veil. I think Mystic Veil just because of the art. I love it. Absolutely. Um, Eon's End, Dice Forge, Escape. And then it missed on Seven Wonders and Karuba and Welcome To, just because there's nothing super notable about them. Um, and I think yeah, most of that for yeah, me yeah. is visual. Um, I get way into the visual sensations of games. And that's honestly a huge reason why I collect them like I do, because I love pulling out a game and seeing all of the art and components. And when it all just comes together in a beautiful design, man, it ranks way up there for me. Um, and on the fellowship side of things, um, I did, I included Quacks, um, which yeah, totally. I wasn't going to at first, but there's so much fun in sitting around a table with everyone. They did a brilliant job of you pull out a chip and you want to look and take like stock of where everybody else is to see like where you are in the whole, um, in the ranking of everybody. There's a surprising amount of sociality to Quacks of Quedlinburg that I honestly didn't expect when you just described the play style because it's largely just personal. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's really good. And then yeah. you look at your you look at your uh, pot, you're like about to explode, but you're like, hey, keep going. And then you look over, someone hasn't pulled a single white chip and they're already further than you. And you're like, oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, what am I doing here? Yep. Um, and then um, just a plug for Clank and Eon's End. Um, Eon's End, just because it's amazing. We'll talk about that at the, at the end, probably. <laughs> we always like do. Like every episode. <laughs> um, but Clank, Clank is one that um, we played through the legacy uh, version of Clank. And it was a completely cooperative experience, which I know is not everybody's experience with Clank, especially Clank Legacy. Uh, it generally is a very cutthroat like leave them in the dungeon to be eaten by the dragon you get out with the most valuable artifact and i don't know it can be like the biggest middle finger of a game for some groups our group it was not and i loved that and i love that it can go either way That's most games that we play of clank it's like 
Oh yeah, I'll hover right here by the exit so that you can have a couple more turns to try it out. And we'll still like, I'm still gonna get out before you and I'm still maybe gonna let you not score your mug at the end, uh, which gives you lots of points for getting out of the dungeon. But I don't know, it's yeah. like, a, I love the sociality and the fellowship that comes with that because we know everybody's in the same situation. And although it's competitive, it's like, we want other people to have a good fighting chance. It's no fun for somebody to get zero points. <laughs> I mean, that's true, but they also brought it on themselves. Yeah, but you also get <laughs> to see them die. Um, yeah, yeah. All right. So, so I, um, I noticed something. Yeah. We both have Ian's end. Right. You marked three that I didn't mark, I think. Okay. I only marked it as challenge, expression, and fellowship. Okay. And it looks like you got challenge, expression, and fellowship, but also sensation, sensation. and also fantasy and narrative. So let me let me dive into that just a little bit because I went back and forth on the sensation for Eon's End for a long time. Because mostly sensation for me is components and artwork. I guess those are the same thing. It's components. Eon's End does not, yeah, it doesn't necessarily excel in that. Eon's End doesn't. It's it's solid. They have solid artwork. That's why I, I didn't mark it. I didn't evoke that necessarily. It falls a little bit short. What I'm what I'm referencing when I mark sensation for Eon's End, um, the definition is game as a sense pleasure, games that evoke emotion in the player, which I realize you can read a lot into that, but few games evoke more emotion um, than Eon's End for me. Okay. Um, whether that's, there are just like very clear key moments in Eon's End yep. where you have those emotions of like, we're never going to get through this. And then there's yep. the shift to like a glimmer of hope. And then there's that last sprint toward the end where it's like, we can do this. We are a couple turns away from either dying or winning. And it happens every game. So that's, yep. I just got, I just got goosebumps talking about it because Ooh. it's just such a beautiful sequence of events that is shockingly reliable. I've played a lot of games that did give me those moments, but I don't know that I can reference another game. Clink comes close with like that final sprint. Um, it's timed very nicely and balanced very well. But Eon's End and its clear moments of opening despair, then your glimmer <laughs> of hope, and then your 50-50, we got a shot at winning this at the very end, is so consistent. It's surprisingly consistent. I would completely agree with that. So it's it's more like um, the sensation aspect is that visceral feeling yes. that Eon's End definitely has, and I would agree with that. Um, so that's interesting. Um, and also for me, alternatively, I don't necessarily think the fantasy element of Eon's End is, you know what? Actually, I could see it because it honestly is for pretty immersive. It is. I'm checking it off. Checking okay. it off. Sweet. It's moving up there. <laughs> and that's like that fantasy. I didn't mark fantasy on many. Um, it's something that I don't generally get into in games. Clank, it pulls me in. Mystic Veil, it kind of pulls me in. I think the artwork helps with that. Um, and then escape I that one gets my blood pumping I'm convinced I'm gonna die playing a game of <laughs> escape and have a heart attack like That's that would be a glorious death I think funny <laughs> um but Eon's End is one that I can totally get on board with being the character the nemeses are what tipped that scale for me like fighting against different nemeses that all react differently in the game is I don't know. It's it's hard to stay aloof from the narrative that's going on in Eon's End because they've crafted those nemeses really magically. I can see that. I I would consider that fantasy specifically, and then I would say, uh, there can be some narrative. Uh, it goes either way, and really, that's the thing yeah. that we kind of mentioned at the beginning. Some people are gonna enjoy a game for different reasons, um, mm -hmm. and that's perfect. That's great. Yeah. It's better than not. I think we're probably, I actually forgot to set a timer, so I have no idea how long we've been going, honestly. Um, I, I have a feeling we're probably close to the end. You led on to what your one submission choice was, um, which is Teach You. Yep. Um, and I think mine is a similar, I chose Welcome To for my yep. single submission. Um, it's a game that is, so the three things that I marked off on Welcome To were the challenge, the expression, and then submission um which 
I could actually argue that it doesn't allow for much expression in the same way that um, Karuba doesn't. I may actually drop that one down. It's just a game that is very relaxing to me. And yeah. I could play three or four games in a row and win or lose, I don't actually care, care that much, which is unusual for me. I generally care to win a game just because I'm competitive. However, in Welcome To, I can play four games and by the end of it, be like, did I win any of those? I don't really remember. I think I may have won one. And that's a completely fine experience for me. And I think it's just about spending the time in a pleasant way with people that I love. That's wonderful. Wait, does that mean it should hit fellowship too? Ooh, that's a good question. <laughs> no, because I don't think it's the game that creates that fellowship. It doesn't have to be. That's true. If it if it brings me together with people and that's part of what I like about it, sure. It doesn't change my ranking order. So yeah, let, let's <laughs> let that one to fellowship. I think that a lot of rule and rights do hit that submission fun element to it. Railroad Inc. Um, mm -hmm. Cartographers kind of actually doesn't feel that way. It doesn't. Um, it's anxiety it, inducing. I it's wouldn't consider stressful. anxiety, but I wouldn't. But I don't think it's necessarily the same. Like. I don't know. There's something about the games of submission. I think there's actually a lot more in the board game hobby than maybe we're giving credit for. Probably, probably. because we're all about these challenge games and they kind of tend to be maybe challenge and submission together isn't necessarily as common. Obviously, both of ours with submission do have challenge. Um, I also feel like you're you're like um, 1v1 card games like Magic mm -hmm. or Netrunner can be this. This is the kind of game that a lot of people play primarily. A lot of people will play hmm. one of these games and that's like their their game. It's like the hobby that they're in is this specific game. It's a lifestyle game. And they kind of just like play like a, a lot of people play like five or six rounds of it every day. And also, you know what? Games as pastime is less common for me because I don't get to play games as often as I would. Right. Like to. And so, I think I'm the same way because I, if I'm going to play a game, I want one that kind of pulls, it's either escapism or <laughs> absolutely either escapism or a challenge or something like that, that is kind of driving these other emotions. Cause like you said, like you said, my gameplay time is fairly few and far between. Yeah. I think that I would end up like clicking submission on a lot of different games. If it were games that like, I just played all the time. Like actually Crokinole would be a good one for this. I'm just thinking about it now. It, it, just like if I had more games that we kind of like kept on the table yeah. and we're like, Hey, you want to play a game right now? Like hive would be that one. Um, I just don't have that in my life. So um, let me pull <laughs> something by you, which you may disagree with this. Um, Hopefully I think Stonemeyer games are largely submission games. That makes a lot of sense. He's talked about how his design philosophy is he wants the game to to be consistent. There's not a ton of phases. It's kind of just like you take your turn and it's quick. The opponent mm -hmm. or the next person goes and it just keeps going around forever and ever. Right. Um, he really likes that kind of gameplay style. So, um, so Scythe and Viticulture mm -hmm. all kind of do this. And I can totally... I yeah. can totally see that. It's like Charterstone, Wingspan. They all have this yeah. feeling of like, you don't do much on your turn. There's no like spike of elation when something happens. You maybe like say, oh, that was a good turn, but it's good in like a very minimal way. It's not like a huge payoff turn where it's like, oh, I set up for this for like four turns and now I have this like big turn. It's just, no, like it's, it's slow, it's consistent and really like kind of that grindy feeling i just played tapestry um for the first time a little while ago and i was like it feels so typical of a stonemeyer game that it's it, just this consistent and slow build to something at the very end it just ends and it's like okay we did like make movement but i don't exactly know when it happened yeah that's that's interesting i'm i appreciate that you mentioned that and that i do agree actually so like i said we will um, we'll give you a link to a blink, uh, form, um, that you are welcome to, um, I think it'll let you download a copy. I'll look into how to do all of that. I don't share many, uh, Google docs, um, as templates, but 
We will share this template. It has the description of the types of fun in there as well. It should be pretty self-explanatory, but um, I would love um, I would love for anybody to report back to us. I'm as willing I'm I'm willing to go as far as the person who completes this and sends us one of us a screenshot first gets to choose the topic of our next episode or something like that. Is that okay. going too far? <laughs> no, go for it. That's great. All right, <laughs> make it a good topic, please. Yeah, please. Nothing Whoever's doing this, well. we'll make it a good topic. We, That's right. There we go. I'm convinced as long as it's in the board game space we can make it interesting. Okay, I'm down. All right, and um, on that note, let me see. Is there anything else before we jump into the post show? I don't think so. I think that's it. That That is the seven, sorry, it's not seven. That's the eight types of fun. <laughs> Those are our favorites. Again, challenging expression, we both kind of hit on. Those right. are the best for us. And submission's the least, although I think there's potential for submission in another world. I agree. You know? and. I think if there's one thing we learned is we came into this kind of discounting submission, it's kind of risen to be an actual thing in my mind. I'm like, yeah. okay, I see it now. It's not I could it's not typically how I want to. I could even see mate I sorry, I could even see Mage Knight having submission. Yeah. That's a, like a four hour game. It's no it's not like a roll and write by any means. Although I did consider I wonder if I could design a roll and write Mage Knight. Oh. I have our I have thought about that. Let's please do it and Yes, absolutely. <laughs> it would be wild. Also, I thought of um, a lot of like uh, just face card games are definitely submission. Yep, 100%. just popped into my head. Um, and teachers that. And like. Yeah, mm -hmm. I, I completely agree. All right, so that is our show. We're going to keep talking uh, in our post show just about what we've been playing this week, how we've been, and the like. So we'll see you there. So yeah, what have you been playing lately? So I played um, Ganshon Clever, or that's pretty clever. Yep. I maybe it's Ganshon Clever. I, I I believe it's German, right? It's German. I have looked up the exact pronunciation before. I think it's Ganshon Clever. I'm pretty sure. Ganshon. Um, anyway, I could be wrong. I could be right. wrong. It sounds right. Adam. We'll go with you on that. Um, <laughs> if it's wrong, it's Evan's fault. So I was impressed. Um, I've played games similar to it. Um, have you played Quix by chance? Yep. Q-U-I-X-X. I believe it's Game Right um, that publishes it. Very similar. Um, Genshon Clever, I think, has, or that's pretty clever if you're using the if English version. If you're boring. I'm just kidding. I know. I was like, my wife was like, why do you keep calling it that? She was like, just call it by its English name. I was like, because when I first heard about it, it That's... wasn't an English game. And so I have... I've been looking at this game as a German edition for like a year. I finally get to play it. And it's just in my head as Ganshon Clever. I have had that conversation before multiple times. So like, just okay. call it. That's pretty clever. I'm like, sorry. It also doesn't sound near as fun. Like, do you want to play? That's pretty clever. Like, no. No, Ganshon Clever just like, sounds so much more intriguing, right? Foreign. <laughs> um, so there was something about it that I do feel like elevated it above Quix, um, which is unfortunate because we just bought Quix because it was on sale for like $5 on Amazon. And I'm like, Quix is fun and it, and it does it does occupy, I think, a different space. Yeah. Uh, Quix is enjoyable, but definitely not the same cognitive uh, joy that um, Gans right. is. So when the game started, I was like, you know what? Like this seems like we'll progress at a reasonably similar rate. My wife destroyed me. I don't know how she got yes. things to chain together well, but she beat me by a good like 50, 60 points. Usually when you do better, or it's not surprising when you do better, it's by a large margin because there's such an exponential factor to yeah. the gameplay. So don't feel too bad. It's like you either well, hit the trigger to where you just like started chaining or you just didn't get there. You didn't quite make it. Yeah. What what points did you guys get if you don't if you remember? Um, I believe I was sitting at like 141 or something and she was okay. like in the 180s, I think. Um I consider about I think like if you're getting less than 180, you like didn't do super good. Right. And that's and um, that's kind of the vibe I got. It has a chart in the back that it's like, this is how clever you are. And mine was definitely like it wasn't the lowest, but only by a couple points. I was yeah. <laughs> basically in the lowest category. And I was like, okay, I mean, it's my first time. I think yeah, I, no, was you putting, I was putting too much stock in the foxes because 
I was really concerned that I was going to get like five foxes and have one of my categories be almost worthless. I spread really evenly across all of them, which is why I think I didn't hit the triggers as many times as I should have. You want to, brief strategy thought, you want to get the bonuses as soon as you can. Yeah. If that makes sense. Which is why the purple track exists, right? Like you don't get much for the purple track because you have to start with such low numbers, but they hit, they hit the bonuses a lot faster than the other ones do. Yep. Uh, yeah, so the, the fastest you can get some of those bonuses, the better, because it's going to get you closer to more bonuses, and that right. just compounds. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. It's a great sense. game. It's a great game. I, I really want to play it a lot more. It's one that I rented. I've been renting games. I found out one of our local game stores rents games for $5 for a week. If you want to keep it for two, they don't bat an eye. They're just like, sure, keep it another week. That's um, funny. And when you return it, they credit your account with $5 to spend in store and just on anything at a later date. That's a smart system. Right. And a rewarding system. Yeah. That's great. I love that. Um, So I I think I literally have like $35 built up and it's just like $5 a week. And it's basically my board game investment fund. And the only catch is that I have to spend it there, but I also like supporting- But then you're you're supporting the store that lets you rent the game. So it's like- Exactly. And so- um, it's been great. I rented one and never actually played it. Um, have you heard of Alice is Missing? Maybe. It's an RPG, so. but it's silent. You're not supposed to talk the entire time. It's all through texting. So you literally, oh, that's cool. I read through the rules and everything, but it was just, we couldn't get the right group. RPGs are hard because you have to have a group that's willing to really get into it. Yeah, yeah. I was really interested in Alice is Missing and then just never could get the group that I wanted to together. So I was like, you know what? I'll just, once I know and we have it on the calendar, then I'll go and rent it because anyway. um, So yeah, it's really fascinating. At the beginning of the game, everybody records their final message that they left for Alice um, because you find her cell phone. And so you'll hear at various times in the game or at the end, the message that everybody left for Alice that references the secret that they had between them. And so anyway- I can't really speak to how it plays, but I was really excited to give it a try. Um, yeah, yeah. And I just didn't get to, which was unfortunate. That does sound, that sounds interesting. And I could see why that would be hard to get. Yeah. To it's play. just, I, I underestimated how difficult it would be to get the right combination of people. So I played a game of Eon's End recently. Right. Tell me about it. I'm so excited. It was, <laughs> it was crazy. There's a little bit of a spoiler, so I can't quite explain what was so crazy about it essentially one of the expansions in the future introduces a new mode okay. it's only slightly different it basically gives you a new place to put charges that's all i'll say oh, okay but wait we ended what, up... what expansion get opens this up outcasts okay outcasts you know what it is yet no i okay. i don't have outcasts and i so don't I, have a new age i so. won't tell you what it is but i will say we ended up putting about 96 charges on that over the course of the oh, game wow um it charges are easy to get <laughs> generally exactly so we use a character who has a breach that whenever that you cast something you gain a charge and okay. what they do is have you heard of mazara mazara i don't think so she basically once she gets four charges can use it to upgrade her one of her two starting spells and it upgrades okay. to a better version of that spell. And then she could do it again with that same spell or with her other spell. There's like okay. two different levels. Gotcha. So you're like, you're like, um, it's called her research breach. So it's, uh-huh. she's like studying per se. Um, and so there's also a spell that casted twice on the breach. And so it yeah. triggered that twice. That's and awesome. so very early, I was able to get two charges every time I cast that spell. That's cool. And so it was just insane. But so the game was so easy. <laughs> which never happens right it rarely happens every once in a while it does sometimes it happens it was like that was boring but this time we were just memeing on the nemesis and just like <laughs> it got to the point where everything he did we were like that was laughably pointless like who cares <laughs> and we ended up i think winning at like six and eight life that's awesome it was insane it was so good that's that is one thing that i like about eon's and there have been games occasionally that i was like am I doing something wrong? Because this is easy. I just like had the upper hand every time. And every yep. time like a, 
minion would come out that should have been like, oh, crud. It's like, oh, no, I already have a spell prepped that just, like, blows it away or whatever. There's a certain combination of um, supply cards and characters that can just, like, be especially good. And in those situations, sometimes you could just destroy, just absolutely destroy someone. That's one thing I do like about Eon Zen, though. It doesn't feel boring, like you said, um, when it is that way. It actually, like, is kind of awesome. It's like, all right, this time, like, we totally had it under control. And it's because it's so hard usually. And because when it's super hard, there's actually always a chance for you to do really good. Right. Um, And so the potential of doing fantastic is something that's almost like, that's your aspiration you're trying to do as good as you can of course right and so when it when it just like works really well it's almost like heck yeah we did it like we're actually great even though it's not necessarily like a fun like game of eon zen you know yeah this specific one i will remember forever because of (laughs) again i can't really talk about it but it was just like that was great man that's like a a horrible uh cliffhanger um (laughs) We played the last Legacy, so it's been a little while just because of summer vacations and stuff since we've played um, Eons and Legacy, but the last one we played, I think it was chapter five, um, I, four or five, anyway, um, it was excruciating. It was painful, and I mean, I had a good time because I enjoy that stuff, but others in the group were like, oh my gosh, I never want to play this again, <laughs> and we ended up winning, but it was like, so slim it was um once again this is probably a little bit of a spoiler so if you're gonna we play could, the legacy version plug your we ears could cut, we could cut this out i do want to know what right. it is but it, well i it just it's something about the nemesis it's not like okay, okay. hugely like story sure, yeah, spoiling yeah. it's just kind of a functionality um basically what the nemesis does when it unleashes um is or once it gets enough like nemesis tokens or whatever is it has you cast your spells at either Gravehold or another player. Man, it was painful. Like it also, oh, it also consumes your sparks. So it eats up your sparks. So all you have are good spells. And then once it triggers, you have to cast it at another player. Man, it was so frustrating. Like we What's, were seriously just. I can't remember what the that one is. It was a I, fun I one, remember though. it now. I forgot about it. It was, man, by the end, we were just so like, yeah. And this is why I like Eon's End, because we've come close to losing, and we didn't actually lose on that one, but we were very close. We may have fudged the turn order cards just once in order to win, but that's neither here nor there. Um, That's your end there. Exactly. Um, And that was like... (laughs) I'm fine with doing that sometimes. Right. Not in a legacy game. This Come one on. is for this one is for the group that we have. Um, okay. We have somebody who does not like to lose, and so in interest of keeping the group playing, we have to make those concessions every once in a while. It's a sacrifice that you might have to make. That's okay. Yeah. Okay. Um. So anyway, it we are fine losing, but like this one, for some weird reason, the morality of casting spells at each other and at Gravehold was it was visceral like we were we had no reason to be any more down about this game than any other game of eons end that we had lost but there was something about like i had purchased the spell i had prepped the spell and it's like a double hit to be like it sounds like i'm crying but it's just my cough to like have it go toward one of your teammates or the place that you're supposed to be protecting man yeah i love that it, it, it you can actually like feel like the difference which is cool. yeah yeah awesome. it was and that's like like i said that's why i like eons end does such a palpable <laughs> wow a palpable job of just creating these situations that the games are just so unique it's great and each nemesis is really interesting every oh my gosh there's so much and very soon legacy of gravehold the kickstarter is it supposed to start fulfilling soon? I think so. It's oh, man, unless they delayed it. Right now. Unless they delayed it. I think it was this fall, and it's about to be fall, eventually. Um, Where I live, I live in Oklahoma, so it's like the uh, right now. It's like the climax of summer. Yeah, so hot. It's actually been kind of cool lately for some some random reason. But um, 
no yeah it'll probably stay hot until like mid-september which sucks so it says the last update was july of 21 wow everything's moving along as anticipated since july okay july is actually not that long ago i just realized it was a week ago it was a week ago july 8th so it was about a month ago that that was um posted man i need to we need to wrap up um our current legacy game because i imagine our group will want a little bit of a breather before jumping into another legacy game of eon's end but man i'm so sure this you also need to play new age and outcasts expeditions yes i do wait before i play this if you care about the narrative oh okay i do care about the narrative um, don't feel bad about don't feel bad about that coming in the mail and just sitting waiting for the perfect time don't feel bad i know about it. i know it's probably gonna sit on the shelf for like a year and i'm like mentally trying to hold on to like my sanity for that moment because you have you you have plenty of eons and content to dive into. i know that'll be they're new just, and fresh and exciting there's so many you're still you're still and every still a beginner oh i know i know i know um my wife doesn't know this it's a secret but that's what i'm building up my credit at this game uh at this game store for they have outcasts and the new age that's fantastic once i get enough i'm just gonna do it you're close like you have 35 i think so you're close Um, yeah i am i think they're probably like 50 or so at this oh yeah store because you know it's a local game store they're always more expensive but so other than uh, that, I've mostly been playing, um, and we talked about it briefly, um, the sort of competitive card games that I've been into. Right. I've been playing a lot of Flesh and Blood and a lot of Ashes, having so much fun with both of them. I'm di- I've dived, dived so deep into Flesh and Blood. Yeah. Um, I own, I recently finished my collection of Ashes, so I own all of Ashes, which is awesome. Okay. But I've also been um, just going nuts with flesh and blood it's a collectible game and it's a money hole kind of game where yeah. you just keep wanting more stuff keep buying more booster boxes and it's ridiculous but then you like find some really awesome cards that are worth a lot of money and you're like wow it's a rush it's something i've never actually been into uh-huh. formally like i've been into a lot of expandable games a lot of lcgs even like eons end kind of makes the cut yeah. um but I've never been into an actual collectible game with booster packs and whatnot. Right. And very predictably so, I have been sucked in and it's over for me. It's all over for me. You're just Financially, you're hooked? I'm hooked. Um, and Man. it's so fun. It's a great game. Uh, and that's part of the main reason why I'm, I'm able to be hooked. But um, it's just like really good. Hey, so give me and like... a brief description I... of what the game is. I'm, I just want like key beats of like where it differs because these games follow a pretty predictable pattern of putting Some out of monsters or creatures, attacking the other person, like whether you block so, a couple like instant things, like they all follow like pretty roughly the same structure. So that's not true. Okay. They don't all follow that. A lot of them do. You're right. It's, there's a lot of them are just formulaic um, monsters uh, attacking each other or whatever. Right. Ashes is kind of like that. And it feels very different. So that one's the closest, but the closest in on paper to it, but mm-hmm. actually very different. Um, Flesh and Blood, Netrunner, Legend of the Five Rings. Um, none of them are like that. Okay. Uh, L5R is kind of also maybe sort of close. Netrunner is not at all. Flesh and Blood is a game where it actually is about ki- trying to kill the opponent. So both people have yeah. 20 health or 40 health, depending on the format. Yeah. Um, and, but what the, that, uh, but in Flesh and Blood, each player plays a different hero. There's some mm-hmm. pa- character of a different class. There's a ninja, there's warriors, there's brutes, there's um, guardian, there's wizard, runeblade, illusionist, ranger, Holy cow. and and mechanologist so far. Um, okay. It's only like four sets in, so four different uh, sets of cards in. Um so you choose one of those guys, you build a deck, and you're basically just literally fighting each other. So everything mm-hmm. you play is going to be like, I'm going to actually kick you in the face. Like if you're the ninja, you might kick him in the face. And then you might do a rising knee thrust as a follow-up, and it's like a combo move or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically what happens is every turn you play, if you, you basically can pay 
cards, they have a cost. So let's say it's cost two. You can pitch a card for resources. So every card can do one of three things. They can pitch for resources. You can spend the resources to play them or you can defend with them. Okay. So I might pitch a card for a few resources and attack for six. Then the opponent goes, do I want to take six damage or do I want to block three of it? Um, and basically you play a couple cards from your hand to block. The thing that matters here is that you don't draw up to four until at the end of your turn. So if right. they attack you and you defend, then you have less cards to then attack them on with. your turn. Yeah. So if you block a bunch, then you don't get to do as much damage. And that means that the opponent doesn't have to block as much and they can then do more damage back to you again. Right. So it's, it's a bunch of this momentum thing. It just, there's just so many mm. good things about it. I am intrigued. I am intrigued because the mechanics that you've described, I've seen other places. I typically don't love the spend cards as actions. Um, you see it in San Juan, I believe Dice Forge, not Dice Forge, um, Dice Throne has a little bit of that. Um, anyway, I've seen it some places. It typically isn't like the most interesting mechanic to me, but to hear you speak so highly of the game, uh, there is like this, once again, we'll go back to Eon's End. There is this, uh, we call it a je ne sais quoi, or like a indescribable, just like how everything comes together. I've said several times that Eon's End has nothing yeah. about it that is new or revolutionary. It is just so beautifully balanced. 100% that it comes together as magic. And yep. honestly, one of the beautiful things about board games is finding that one that is just like the sum, it's that synergy that like the sum of all of these parts should not equal what it does, but it just, it just explodes off the table. And mm -hmm. it sounds like, like, I don't know that there's anything here that I haven't seen anywhere else, but here you speak so highly of it when you have played magic and a lot of these other type of head to head card games um it does intrigue me so maybe i'll give this a go definitely consider you can get blitz decks which are the the sort of quicker like 20 health 40 card format instead of uh 40 health and 60 cards for yeah. instance uh it's quicker pace um you can get blitz decks for a decent price if you were looking to that of the latest set those are kind of more complicated heroes but um definitely that would be the place to jump in um i would probably more soon recommend ashes really um i think so it really just depends they're they're all worth trying um and yeah. then netrunner is the best of them all it's the best card game maybe ever so netrunner i definitely am intrigued i think i might rent that one soon um i just need to decide who to play it with i don't like playing those head-to-head -head card games with my wife because yeah yeah, yeah for i feel sure. bad when i win i feel bad when i lose um yep so I'll need to figure out the right person to play with. But tell me this, if I were just to like, because we've we've discussed, I love more than the actual games of like trading card games and stuff. I love the events that exist outside, like drafts, pre-release events. Like the, the game outside the game is really what gets me going. As far yeah. as the game itself, it's like, okay, fine, that's great. But especially with like trading card games, I don't want to ever feel like, well, if I spent more money, I could have won. Like that's just a crappy feeling. And that's my okay. major beef with trading card games is yeah. there's always that feeling of, well, if I had more money to spend, that's just totally a starter for me. So that's why drafts and sealed like limited events um, are really what get me going because I don't have to worry about that. And I also really enjoy the social aspect of it. So my mm -hmm. question is, would it be a horrible idea? Would I just get eaten alive if I learned the rules, did my research, find whatever, but then tried to find a draft event of flesh and blood to um, as like my first exposure? Or will this just be a recipe for disaster? It really depends on who's there. A lot of people are really good at, at like welcoming new players and helping them and teaching them and like being just like a good person who's not yeah. like sucky. But there's sometimes people just like kind of suck to be, you know, they might just like go hard on you and destroy you. There is yeah. enough skill involved that you could just get absolutely destroyed. Um, but I I think it'd be a good time. It 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 
it's a it's a decently fun um draft and sealed game um as far as the game as a whole there is elements of not necessarily pay to win but some of the strongest cards are for sure pretty expensive and rare um that's just true i don't it doesn't bother me necessarily i do kind of wish it were different maybe but i can handle it um partially because i've been like hooked on the game so i'm like yeah, I'm willing to spend $75 on this card, maybe. Oh, geez. I haven't done that yet. Uh, I, I don't know but if I'm I'll close. I, I just don't think I can stomach. You would have to you'd have to sell your soul. Yeah. Which could uh, happen. It happened to me. I've already I'm, sold it, so I don't think I have any soul left to sell. <laughs> I'm actually um I'm actually going to a flesh and blood tournament tomorrow. I'm very oh, excited really? about that. Yep. Is it there's one locally? No, we're going to Dallas. Uh, basically, oh. last night I went to a, a a tournament, a small casual tournament, uh-huh. and there were a few people that I knew from. I, I've like hung out with a lot from mm-hmm. playing at local game stores and stuff with them. So they're like pretty good friends. Um, and they're like, "Are you coming to Dallas this weekend?" I was like, "I don't think so." <laughs> and then I looked it up. There's I? still spots open for the event. They're like, "We're carpooling down." I'm like, "Yeah." Yeah, I'm down. Absolutely, and I'm super stoked. I built the deck late last night. I'm very excited about it. Cool. Well, I expect to hear about how all it went. Um, I'm sure on YouTube and stuff, you're probably gonna put some of it on there, right? Uh, I don't know. Maybe. Okay. Probably not. Depends on how well it goes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. All right. Yeah. Heck yeah. Huh. Um. Cool. Well, I'm anxious to hear more about that. And that's like at the end of the day time time and resources are definitely huge factors in my board game choices oh and for sure like we talked about before it's nice to know just disclaimer i play magic the gathering evan does not like to it's a major point of contention in our relationship just kidding um <laughs> we have friendly arguments about it all the time um and part of that is just the ease of access um magic's everywhere and it's true whether whether good or bad um i do i enjoy it just because it's accessible so bad, for bad for worse for bad I'm that's for worse <laughs> <laughs> no it doesn't make me worse actually it might make me worse i may think about magic too much i but, like that no that happens that's real um cool well anything else before we wrap up this post show evan i have to get to my real job i have to get ready for my real job no, no, I think we're good. Boring. Why can't this be our real job? Honestly, make it make it a make it real, guys. Everyone, okay. share okay. the podcast. Uh, get, leave a review. Yeah, no, turn this podcast around. into our full time job. That's uh, oh my gosh, forty hours the... a week of just recording the podcast straight up. <laughs> yeah, I don't want that either, actually. Um, but yeah, we appreciate anybody who listens. Honestly, um, even if it's just friends and family, it's fun for us. I've gotten to know Evan um, a lot better through this. Well, not a lot better. I've gotten to know Evan through this. Literally, from, our first conversation <laughs> was it's great to record a podcast. So, um, yeah. If nothing else, I'm glad this has happened because I have another friend in the board Me game too. space. And wait, where are you from again? Oklahoma, Ohio, Oklahoma. Okay, I get one words the, mixed up. One of the O's. I'm from well, Tulsa. If I ever find myself in Oklahoma, I for sure will. Oh, yeah. Up, and I hope you would do the same if you're ever in Utah. Are you Utah? Okay, I was like, I don't remember. Yep. Yeah, yeah. If you're if you're into a nice outdoorsy vacation, Utah has a lot to offer. So Okay, I am. Heck yeah. I'll keep that in mind. <laughs> cool. We're we're just over here on the podcast just planning get togethers. Yeah, planning vacations. <laughs> planning okay. vacations. Thanks All for right. listening to us planning our vacations. Yep. Thanks so much, guys, for joining. Yep. You guys have and... a great one. Yep, we'll talk to you next time.